It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast and as always I am James taking you through this one. Thank you very much to moonrisecricket.co.uk for their sponsorship of the podcast at the moment and through the IPL. But for today and for this edition we are looking at county cricket, something very dear to my heart and also very dear to my guest's heart as well. Sam Dalling is joining me from the, the Cricket Paper, the Cricketer Mag and he's also written for some national press as well. Sam, welcome along to the Cricket Badger Podcast. Good morning James, yeah. Thank you very much for having me. It's delightful to be here. As we were chatting beforehand, but long-time listener, and my passion is really in county cricket. And the IPL stuff is going to be exciting. You've got your work cut out there. But yeah, talk county cricket. I'm very excited. And it's been a very strange summer, hasn't it, for everybody in all different kinds of ways. But for sport, it was a, a worrying time early on in the in the season. Well, we didn't have an early season, did we, at all, with COVID-19 and lockdowns and what have you. And I actually thought some at one stage that we weren't going to see a ball bowled in the English season at all and we've got far more than that in the end. Yeah I, it really has been an odd one I mean no one could have predicted this at the turn of the year and from a cricketing perspective it happened the sides were just gearing up I think Derbyshire were out that were abroad one or two other counties were abroad and pre-season was going well and they were just about to have those first games and suddenly it all got taken away and all but a couple of the sides were on further I think Lancashire and Surrey kept their playing stuff going but of course the, the, the nature of that scheme is there's no work kind of dropped away there's no communication so the players were just left to fend for themselves and from chatting to a few of them doing some interviews over the course of the summer I think a lot of them were very much of a similar mind they didn't think they'd get any cricket so to actually be able to get back out on the park or right, albeit it's been a truncated season particularly with the Bob Willis Tracy being just five group games that like, they're just very grateful to be out there and, and playing cricket and like, to use a cliche you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And I think people that once county cricket was taken away from people, whether it's you know, players, coaches, fans, you know, refreshing crick info throughout the summer, I think we're all just glad to have it back. 
in a way, it was quite a, a nice lesson from that respect, wasn't it? Because I think a lot of the players I spoke to as well, it was either a case of we're not going to get anything or it might be just the T20 blast at the end of the season if we're lucky. But to get the Bob Willis trophy as well has kept the Red Bull cricketers happy too. But that, that gap during lockdown where people were up in the air and spending time with families and doing other things, A, recharged the batteries a little bit. But like you say, just got people realising yeah, how important cricket was to them. And that was players, spectators alike, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's a really tough one, you know. In in the grand scheme of things, of course, of what's going on in the world, cricket and sport matters very little. But then at the same time, it it also matters so much to many people. It, it's not just a sport; it's a livelihood. And for these, or, or for the fans, it's a way of a bit of escapism, getting away from the, the real world, if you like. And and the players, most of them, almost all I've ever spoken to, I feel so privileged to be doing essentially what is a hobby as their job. But at the same time, cat and cricket can be a a long, hard slog, particularly if you're away, you know, if you're on the, in the England team or if you're on the fringes of an England team or going away to play abroad. While it's brilliant, you very rarely get time to recharge your batteries, as you say, and spend time at home. And I know a lot of them were really appreciative of being able to go back and spend time with family and, and be around. You know, most of the time they're just not around in the summer. So while it was unusual, I think it was a good chance to reflection and like we all have in the world, put get our priorities straight. And I know they were speaking to everyone, they were all chomping at the bit to get back out there. Once they were training, there was a kind of a, a renewed vigour, um, so to speak. I think coaches were having to, particularly fast bowlers and managing workloads, they were having to rein people in. Quite right. In terms of COVID, it was far, far more serious than just cricket. But I say just cricket, you work to live, don't you? you things like your cricket, your football, you're going to the cinema, all of those social things that we were denied during lockdown and, and you know, still are in some in some capacities they're the cherries on top that make life worth living aren't they really and you know not having cricket was it was a big miss for a lot of people I think but obviously I mean going back through the season and how the ECB got things going I mean I don't think that's to be underestimated the amount of work that they had because they are cricket administrators they're not scientists they're not bio bubble experts they are not covid experts nobody really was at the start of this year so they had an awful lot on their plate and I think they can be massively applauded for the efforts they put in to get something going along in terms of a domestic cricket season. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so easy to knock the ECB out. I know people do it. And there are reasons, like with any organisation, to, to give constructive criticism. But it's, like you say, you have to take your hats off to them. This is all, the whole thing is new to everybody. And to suddenly devise a new format in the, in the Bob Willis Trophy to work out the stuff that we... Even now, I don't even appreciate it. All the all the minutiae of detail of sanitising everything, of how players are going to come into contact with each other. You know, they've been asking to open up dressing rooms and or opening up long rooms so that players have bigger dressing rooms and the one-way systems involved and, and work out how to give people access to the ground. There was just so much to think of, none of which is really, in particular, anyone's job because this was so new. Everyone's thinking on their feet. And so they, they do have to take credit for, you know, putting together a wonderful tournament that looks like, you know, we're gonna, you've, got, you've got to take positives out of every situation. And it looks like moving forward next year, this conference setup is going to, has got some legs. And of course, we've got the cherry of a Lord final at the end of it. So, you know, there's been some great things that have come out of this season. And had, had it been cancelled completely, we wouldn't have had that. 
we obviously saw the internationals being played as well and, and seeing cricket back on the TV screens was a was a massive blessing for everybody and it, it's not just the ECB is it that need to be applauded for this they, they're they obviously the overseers of everything that happened but you've got county admin staff around the country you've got the media that have been going to games both international and domestic and at various levels having to make sacrifices and do things slightly differently to to bring cricket to the masses and I, I think one of, one of the things I, I found quite hard to take during lockdown the joke that I that was kind of banded around social media was that well it's not going to make any difference to county cricket because nobody goes anyway so behind closed doors is not a problem a lot of people go to county cricket and a lot of people watch county cricket via the various services listen to the BBC coverage and follow it on Crick Info and, and through the press and I think one of the things that's brought home to probably a lot of people this summer is just how many people are interested in county cricket because some of the the stats on on the live streams have been quite impressive yeah, absolutely. I've definitely heard that joke doing the rounds. And as you say, you know, okay, sometimes there there are days of, of four-day games that aren't that well attended. But actually, a lot of the counties, particularly actually the two that are in the final, if you look at Somerset and Essex, who aren't um, necessarily traditionally the bigger counties, it's not that much ground, but they, you know, they they do get a couple of thousand through the gate at their home games, and and people have have really missed that. It's been I've got a good friend who's, a, who's an Essex fan, and I caught up with him in a, in a socially distanced manner after a couple of games I've been there to their games and he kind of goes around spotting these kind of lost members as he calls them wandering around the, the city in their Essex shirts not really knowing what to do with their time so it brings people together it's such a big part of people's lives and as you say great credit to the people at the club the, the live streaming service that almost every county every county's got it going and some are of course better than others some have been working on it for longer than others but again we have to remember that these people are, are often doing things that aren't really in their job. They're learning new skills and they're just trying to bring us any kind of form of live cricket that we can. So, the, you know, the numbers, as you say, have been phenomenal. The, the way that it's covered in social media, I think it shows it also it appeals to all ages as well. You know, this social media element of stuff, some of the club's Twitter accounts and the, the kind of banter, for want of a better word, between them is, is brilliant. And it's engaging the younger people and the people behind that are doing a wonderful job and sometimes you forget these people aren't actually always at the game so because of the way that the, the biosecure environment is a lot of the time for away games you've got the social media manager actually just manning the fort from their front rooms but still keeping it all going and that you know that's quite an effort when I was the um, media manager at Yorkshire, I used to get people phoning me up and saying, can I speak to somebody in your press department? And I'd just go, yeah, it's me. Because, mm. you know, I don't think people actually realise how um, how few people actually work behind the scenes on a full-time basis at county cricket clubs. And they, they do a, a sterling job. You know, there's a lot of work and it's long hours at times during match days and things like that. So massive applause to everybody involved in, in getting the county season up and running. Want to get your game the very best it can be? The future of coaching. Talk to a pro. 30-minute video conversation. Video analysis from players at the top of their game. Video shout-outs. Get a personalised message from a pro. Great for birthdays, congratulations messages, a prank or a simple hello. Visit MoonriseSports.com or go to Moonrise Sports on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Moonrise Cricket. Let's play. In, in terms of the format, you hinted at it earlier, the Bob Willis Trophy, in terms of the, the conference style that's gone down this year. If you'd asked me last winter, 
would you prefer two divisions or would you like a conference style? I'd have gone with two divisions. But after seeing how it's worked this time around, I actually really like this three conference structure. And, you know, if that's fleshed out and it's home and away and, you know, I've got a theory as well, which I'll, I'll, I'll run past you in just a second. But I, I quite like it. I, I think this has got definite legs and it's something that they can take into the future. I'm with you, actually. I'm a big fan. Like, sometimes we're reluctant to, uh, we have a kind of reluctance to accept change, but actually this one's almost been forced upon us. We haven't had a, a choice. And the way it works, depending on how they move, I know it's, if they keep the 14 games, I think it's key to keep those 14 first-class games or, or more. But and the plan, is, as I understand it, is to do that. And, it, you know, the, you'll play home and away, and then it will be split up into conferences based on merit rather than region. And I just think it's really exciting. It means that, theoretically, everyone at the start of the season has the chance to win the title. And I know if you've got the division, you might have more teams playing for more for longer with promotion and relegation at stake. But actually to have that carrot at the end of the stick of being the county champions is, is wonderful. And I know people say, well, yeah, it's, in theory they have, but it's never going to happen. But if you look at some of the sides, you know, Somerset versus Worcestershire last year was a sort of, two, uh, sorry, last week was a pseudo semi-final. But Worcestershire was second bottom of the county championship last year. And they, I think they won one of their last, 11 games, yet well, there they were pushing Somerset all the way. Like they've done remarkably. And in, in the North Group, I know you're a Yorkshire fan, and Derbyshire up there have been a real surprise package. So, I, you know, of course, the better sides will, the cream will rise to the crop, as we've seen with the, the two finalists last year's one and two. But still, I, you know, I really enjoy it. And if it means teams play, get to play different teams and there's a bit more kind of excitement around it, then yeah, I'm all for it. And that's good for supporters as well. If you're, if, if you're a supporter of Derbyshire and you go into the season knowing that you know, if everything goes really good here, if, you know, if we really compete here, we can actually get to a Lord's final in the county championship and we can lift the county championship rather than you know, hopes of maybe promotion to the first division and then finding that season difficult, etc. Yeah, that, that's something for everybody, isn't it? It's not just the players, it's not just the clubs, but it, I think having everybody involved in this and a chance to, a chance to win it, it is really crucial. And I wonder if it will also benefit the English game in terms of the strength and depth. I think it will. You know, there's a financial element, of course. But, you know, we look at sides like you look at sides like Leicestershire, who traditionally have players. Have their, they, you know, it's really frustrating for them because they bring these players through, but then they have to poach because they want to go and play Division One cricket, and rightly so. They want to, you know, break every player's aspiration is to play Test cricket, and they want to break into that level. But actually, if everyone's on a level playing field at the start, depending on how it works, you might be actually more inclined as a player to, to stay with your county rather than move on to it, that, that Division 1-2 split isn't necessarily there and so all, all of the sides might get a little bit stronger rather than it being concentrated at the very top end. In a way, it actually, it actually helps some of the, the smaller clubs, doesn't it? Because you, the kind of feedback um, line to somebody that scored 1,500 runs in Division 2 and is being tipped as an England player is always, well, they're only second division runs, so, you know, until we see them in the first division, you know, it doesn't count. And then that, as you say, it kind of encourages that player to then move to a test match ground or try and um, find a first division team so they can then impress again. And then by the time they've done all that, they're two years further down the line, aren't they, in their careers? And the, Whereas in this, in this respect, somebody playing for Leicestershire who scores 1,500 runs, arguably you could say those 1,500 runs are more important because he's playing in a, in a, in a weaker side in inverted commas and he stood up to the task. Yeah, quite. No, I completely agree. It's, you know, we, as you say, there's so much value placed on the, the weight of Division 1 performances versus Division 2. And actually that's not... Sometimes it is the case. Yeah, sometimes the better players are in Division 1, but equally there'd be some, some really talented critters in Division 2 that might 
as you say, get a look in because all runs and wickets are suddenly equal. My view on how it should work, and you can pick holes in this as you as you like, Sam, but <laughs> I, I, I quite like the regional bit to start with. A, it yeah. means that supporters don't have so far to travel. You know who you're going to play early on. You can plan your early summer. And geographically, it's cheaper for the clubs. And, you know, that's not to be underestimated. An extra 10 quid saved on petrol for the coach or something like that is not to be sniffed at in COVID times when, when money's going to be tight. And then I like to then see it flipped into an order of merit kind of structure towards the second half of the season. But the, the way I'd do it, I'd have the top two from each of the each of the regions going into the top division. And you'd play half the season in regions and then you'd play the second half of the season for the trophy effectively. The comeback there is, well, surely then Divisions 2 and Division 3 in the second half of the season don't matter. But if you actually had it so that, say, the top two in the first division qualified, you know, like the IPL structure's um, done, where yeah, the, yeah. number one and number two play that first game and they the winner goes right through to the final. The loser in that uh, that top final goes then to play the winner of the third versus fourth. And then yeah, they yeah. get a second bite at the cherry because they've, they've earned that second bite because they've finished so high in the league. So if you had, say, the two in the top division were in that sort of situation, then the winners of Divisions 2 and Division 3 have a stunning second half of the season. They get a second bite at the cherry, but with slightly you know harder route to the final as a result of that. So then all three of those um, divisions in the second half of the season matter. And still, everybody can still win the Bob Willis Trophy or whatever it will be called in its new incarnation, even if you have a poor first half of the season. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, that's not what I've heard before, but actually, yeah. I think that's the difficulty. I think that's what they're going to have to try and work out is how you keep, once you split up on a merit base, I completely see the regionalised. It's a tough one, but yeah, I can, the regionalised, I keeping it that way, as you say, you, you have more local derbies, so you're going to get bigger crowds and the, the finances are, are huge. And, it, you know, if, if Somerset are playing at Gloucestershire, suddenly, rather than Durham, you might save four nights in a hotel, which for 20 staff members uh, quite big money in the context yeah. of county cricket if the person go up and down but yeah it's it's what happens in that second part is going to be the key to keep everyone's hopes alive and yeah it's an interesting one i haven't thought about it i know i don't know if they were going to planning on doing it you know prize by incentivizing it through prize money that was my one thought in terms of if you were to have the original groups almost seeded rather than regional that would be the way of keeping the second half so your performance on the second half of the season would, in once you split off into the merit-based groups, your second half of the season's performance might then give you a better seeding and so give you, a, in theory, an easier group the following year. But, of course, yeah, if you're, if you're keeping it regional, that doesn't quite work. So yeah, there's, there's got to be a way of keeping teams going in that second half of the year. Because as you say, that last part has to mean something, whether it's through prize money or, or you know, ideally... Yeah, giving them the chance to win the Bob Wallace Trophy. I mean, you, I know it's a different format, but if you look at the T20 Blast last year, which Essex won, they had an abysmal first half of the campaign and then went on a stellar run for the second half and lifted the trophy. Now, if you took that same scenario into a regional conference and Essex would finish in Divisions 2 or Division 3 of the Order of Merit or whatever going forward, would have no chance yeah. of winning the trophy and wouldn't, wouldn't have got to that final. So, you know, we, we have seen in the past in the championship teams coming with a late run and, and doing really well and uh, even lifting the trophy. Um, you know, it's not always the, the front runner that carries on being the front runner all the way through the season. So, you know, by, by, I, I think by giving teams a second bite at the cherry 
however that's done. I think that's a good thing because it keeps everything current. Of course, you're going to get dead rubbers towards the end of the season because in Division 3, for example, in, in my my framework, you've got to win Division 3 in the second half of the season to get into that semi-final structure. So if you lose your first three games, effectively your season's dead, isn't it? You, you can't kind of avoid that. You're always going to get dead rubbers in the second half of the season. But by, by keeping everybody alive going into that second half of the season to some degree, it does give them something to still sort of plough their efforts into. Yeah, I agree. We see it so often in, in football, don't we, with the, the playoff system that works. Actually, it's so much about momentum in the second half of the season. And there's almost, there's almost always one team that comes from kind of 15th, 16th, goes on a wins eight of their last 10 or something and are suddenly in the playoffs and, and often win promotion because they're the form side. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said about giving giving teams that are, are performing the, uh, a shot at the title still. The unfortunate thing about the way the Bob Willis Trophy fitted into the summer and nobody could do anything about it because, as we said, it's coronavirus dictated, was that you know much of the test se- season had already gone by then. Everybody was in the bio bubbles and the test um, set up. So anybody that really put in some stellar performances this summer, and there's been a few, weren't really waving their hands at the selectors in terms of this summer, were they? They, you know, At the best, they were looking at Lions trips or maybe a full call-up for an England tour over the winter rather than this summer. Whereas usually we see that somebody suddenly starts going on a run in the county championship in April, May, and all of a sudden everybody's talking about them as potential England candidates straight away. Yeah, it's, it, that is difficult, but just as you say, it's the nature of the, of the year and the uncertainty we've got in the world and I know that I think the plan is to certainly have the first half of the or the first regionalised groups or however it works in, in the front end of the season so that incentive of maybe winning a test call up later in the summer will return and it's just uh, but at the same time it's given a lot of opportunity you know with the guys away a lot of the overseas players have, have been unable to come across and of course you guys in the, the biosecure bubble and it, you know slightly extended England squads with players who aren't always aren't playing are actually still in and around. It's given people a chance to impress. You know, I think there's been something like 30-odd debutants in the Bob Willis Trophy. And some of those, you know, one a door closes for some people, but another one opens for others. And there's been so many good performances. I think, you know, you could reel off a, a list of players that have, that have come through. And, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of Tom Lambie, who's done really well. And, you know, Theroux's Cushy at Essex, I sort of made his maiden first class 50. And the young 16-year-old Coles at... Sussex, the spinner who, who did really well. So there's so many, Dan Moriarty, five for undebuts. So there's so many of these players that have been given the chance and have actually taken it with both hands. And that might not otherwise have come in a normal year. They might have not got a shot, been out of contract in the summer and just kind of fizzled at the end of the summer and fizzled out. So yeah, it's, it almost works both ways. Yeah, that, I totally agree. It's been great to see a few debutants coming through and some young stars of the future, hopefully. In terms of the, yeah. the structure going forward, I mean, we've got a plan, really, for COVID-19 to be around in 2021 at the moment. There's no sign of a vaccine just yet. And you imagine that bio bubbles and, and things like that are going to go into next year. Do you see uh, yeah, 14 first-class games as being the, the holy grail? Or, I mean, I'll, I'll argue a little bit against that in my question, that you know, Australia, I think their Sheffield Shield structure, whenever I've interviewed an Australian, they say they find playing county cricket great but they get a little bit consumed by the fact that it's game after game after game after game, treadmill, 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 and you don't get too much time to prepare. So sometimes it might be quantity over quality. And if it was reduced to 10 games, for sake of argument, in the group stages, so it was five and then five again, it might just give counties a little bit of a chance to regroup and to tackle it with a little bit of renewed vigour and with better tactics and 
if the team you were going to play has got a quality leg spinner, you can practice in the nets for a couple of days against that and get yourself really fine-tuned for the next game. So you, you maybe get stronger county championship if you played 10 games rather than 14. Yeah, I'm a bit of a traditionist. I, you know, and speaking to a lot of the players, everyone, and whether they're just making the right noises or they really mean it, but I do, I do believe a lot of them mean what they're saying. And first-class cricket is the, is the be-all and end-all. You know, the, the money can be made in in the other forms of the game, but they, they still want to play test cricket and first-class cricket is their way into it. And yeah, maybe, maybe it's a, a too traditionalist of view, but actually that's the beauty of cricket, of professional sport is that it is, it's meant to be hard work. It's not meant to be easy. And actually, you know, playing week after week really, te- you know, it tests the strength of squads. It tests players' kind of mental ability to adapt. You know, if you're out of form, you have to go straight out there and, and, and go again. And so I'm a fan of, and, you know, they've already reduced it over the years steadily to 14 games. And I think I, I would personally like to see it stay at that level. I think it's a real, a really good way of testing. You, you get true champions that way. I think, you know, everyone plays everyone twice in the divisional, however it works. And you can really see who is the best side over a period of time, which you might not always get otherwise. But it's a difficult one. And as you say, again, finances might dictate it. You know, some you're going the way of, a lot of sides playing completely, almost completely different squads for white ball stuff and red ball stuff. People were specialising, but actually, whether that's going to be available, you know, the budget and tightening squads might be smaller. So there might be an element of having to look after the players well, particularly the bowlers, a little bit more. But personally, I, I've been pat myself very lucky to have been able to go to all five rounds of this trophy, and I would happily go to another nine rounds if there was that opportunity. I, I just think it's such a great. It's a great spectacle. Um, it's a great. It's a great social event. Me and my friends are actually almost prefer it. Going to see friends, go along the whole day, catch up. You know, watch some cricket. It's a much more relaxed feel. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. As of anything in life, we're always striving to find balance. You're never going to please all the people all the time. I don't think. You're preaching to the converted there. There is nothing better than sitting at a county championship game in the sunshine with a few friends having a nutter, watching the cricket, your feet up on the chair in front of you and just enjoying the day and relaxing. There's no nothing more relaxing, nothing better than a day at the county championship. In terms of, I mean, you, you know, the 14, if you went down my route, my proposal would yeah. be that you had five regional games, then five games in the second half of the season, in you know, dictated by where you finish in, in the next league, and then obviously semi-finals and the final. Every county has pre-season. Sometimes the standard of those games isn't particularly strong. So why not have a Yorkshire-Lancashire game just before the season starts as the final practice game, pre-season game, and make it first class over four days and do it properly rather than the two-day game shoehorned in because they've only just got back from pre-season tours and stuff like that. So there's there's an extra game for you. And then, yeah. obviously, when the finals and the, and the semi-finals are being played, those teams that are involved in that are going to get extra games anyway. And the ones that don't, they could have another round of fixtures to decide where they finish in terms of the, the 18 counties and what position they finally take up. So there's another game for them. So yeah, no, on that basis, no team's going to play less than 12, and you might actually play more than that if you if you get right through to the final. Yeah, it's all possible. The only note, of course, I, I think we have to, or the, we have to think very carefully. It has to be not overcomplicated. Uh, fans, if people are really struggling to keep up with how it all works, I think that's when you start to have issues arise. I totally agree with that, Sam. Sorry, sorry to cut in, but I totally agree with you exactly on that. But I think the, the danger with cricket in the past has been that they flipped from one format to another every single season. There's been very few yeah. seasons in in in, in the last 
probably 20 years, maybe even longer, where a structure of a domestic season has stayed the same from one to another. You know, even now, they're bringing in the 100 or they're changing something or some, you know, yeah, yeah. T- suddenly th- well, something goes from regional to group or knockout or whatever. If they do this and if they change the Bob Willis Trophy, however they settle on this format, then they need to do it for the next 10 years at least. They need to set it in stone and play it and play it and play it because I always think with the ECB, what they've done is they've introduced a new format of competition. It hasn't quite worked necessarily in the first year and they've given up on it and thought, right, let's do something else. Well, if you're if you're research and if your committees and your brains trust that set up that competition in the first place was to be trusted, then stick with it and go onwards with it. And if you did if you did that, however complicated the Bob Willis Trophy would be in future years. People would get their heads around it in the end because they would learn to understand it because it's been the same for the last five years and it's going to be the same for the next five. The danger with it is if you flip from one format to another and you change from regional, then it goes back to two divisions, then it goes and they can't decide and then nobody knows where they are. Yeah, I agree. We do have to, you know, as you said, there's been so much tinkering with it all. Every year something changes and actually I, I'm fully on board with that. However we settle, you're not going to please everyone. Everyone's always going to have their view, but I think they need to come up with a plan and go, okay, this is what we're going to do. And as you say, we're going to, we're going to stick with it for five years. We're going to give it time to develop. But, you know, it's fair on the players as well. You know, that you have to have a bit of structure and a bit of certainty about what you're going to be doing and how it's going to work. And I think that's how it will take a few years as well to shake out to, like we, we talked a bit earlier about how it might, you know, even the gap between Division One and Division Two as we have it now. That won't happen immediately. We can't do that. You can't do one year of it and then say, oh, actually, the Division Two teams are all down uh, right in the bottom and are, and are miles away. Because of, naturally, they will be because the way the resources are at the moment. So I, it's really important to give it that proper chance, the chance to breathe. And that's how I think we might get that more even spread of talent across the county. I do agree. It's got to be a work, it's got to be a project, something we invest time. I mean, I'm a cricket badger. You're. I'm going to make. I'm going to name you an honorary cricket badger. Now you've come on the podcast, and I'm sure. I'm sure that both of us at times have had to look things up to work out how things work, and we are immersed in the game. So how do you expect yeah. Fred Smith down the local pub to actually work it out when he's got a passing interest in cricket? It's impossible, isn't it? You've got to. You've got to stick with something and make it make it clear yeah. and make it repeatable. So that people learn to, you know, even if it's a little bit complicated, they learn how it works. You know, there's complicated other sports. You know, there's there's other sports that have very complicated structures, but because they do it season on season, people get their head around it and, and learn to understand it. And I think uh, you, you don't want to assume that people can't understand stuff that's complicated because that's a little bit dismissive of your spectator base. But you need to give them a chance to actually learn how it works because changing it every single second doesn't work and it it loses people doesn't it it loses people and cricket's got a bigger big enough challenge as it is at the moment in terms of trying to get an audience into games i mean we can't at the moment obviously behind closed doors but you know what i mean they need to kind of make things repeatable and make people learn how the summer works so that people can trust it buy their tickets book hotels and and, and learn to love the game again yeah 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 but there's also i think that i completely agree there but there has to be that element of it being accessible also from the off, so I have to think about it, and I'm, I'm also guilty of it, but if I'm writing an article, if in the opening paragraph there's a word that people have to look up, all of a sudden you've lost your audience um, because people don't necessarily have the time or the patience to deal with that, and that, that's no um, slate on them. That, that's on me for not conveying it, it properly, for trying to be too fancy, and actually when, you, when, when you're setting up the competition and working out how it's going to 
look, it has to be there has to be an element of as you say, I mean Fred Smith or whoever you said who doesn't have an interest in cricket. This is a really key time because there's a chance to really pull in a new wave of fans and there's a big appetite for cricket and you know when Adam when you knew they'd sell this Lord's final out, I'm sure, if they were fans were able to go in. So it's really important to get to not alienate people at this key time. We have something that people can say, oh, okay, I understand how that works. Let's see how it plays out. It's got to be accessible. If people have to spend the hours reading about how it's going to work, how, how, how teams end up winning, who's got a chance to win, that, that might put people off a little bit. That would be my only open portion on that one. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.